1: and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important.
0: Damian Lillard.
1: That was for Seattle.
0: <laughs> 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 Just to name a few.
1: Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio presented by Molka Sports. Find them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. We've got a hockey goat with us again on Sports Business Radio. Hillary Knight, U.S. women's hockey gold medalist, three-time Olympic silver medalist, seven-time world champion, arguably the best female hockey player in the world. She has joined us before. She's fresh back from the Beijing Olympics. She's going to give us insight into how those went Also, she is going to be a hockey analyst, NHL analyst for ESPN, so we'll talk about that. I had told her last time she was on that she's perfect for TV and for describing hockey and that she needed to be on TV, and lo and behold, she is now. She's on ESPN as part of their NHL coverage, so you're going to enjoy this conversation with Hillary Knight on our show today. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you?
0: I'm doing great, and uh, you called the future there with Hillary Knight. That's awesome, and I agree. She's just a great face and voice for hockey. She knows the sport. Obviously, she's played the longest, and uh, she still kills it. I love watching her in Beijing. She just commands the ice. She uh, she gets out there and just runs the show. She's so fun to watch. Such a smart woman, and just involved in so many great things. So fun interview today.
1: Yeah, a real leader too. Just uh, you know, commands the ice out there, and you can just tell those people that have a presence about them. And, and Hillary Knight is definitely. One of those people, before we get to our Sports Business Radio headlines, I'm excited to let you know about a new partner for Sports Business Radio, Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted more energy. I was tired of trying to find the right multivitamin or create the right smoothie or salad every day. I'm a busy guy, so I needed a solution that covered my daily nutrition bases. So that's why I'm trying Athletic Greens with one scoop every morning. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting good. It supports better sleep quality and recovery and also supports mental clarity and alertness. Your subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is so important to add in these winter months when we don't get as much sunlight. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Additionally, for every purchase, they donate to organizations helping to get nutritious foods to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the U.S. In 2020, Athletic Greens donated over 1.2 million meals to kids. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packets for your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash SBR. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash SBR to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Griggs, let's get to some of our sports business headlines of the week. There's a lot of them. Is Major League Baseball headed over the cliff? They're definitely headed towards the cliff. I don't know if they're going to go over the cliff. They, As we record this, we're up until the wee hours of the morning. The owners, the players union trying to hammer out a deal. If you recall, Rob Manford, commissioner, kind of put a self-imposed deadline of Monday. If there wasn't a deal in place, the regular season would not start on time. That's certainly looking like it's in jeopardy. Griggs, what I just don't get, and we talked about this with Bob Costas when he was on with us last year, you've got billions of dollars to be spread around. Why can't they figure this out? Especially for a sport, this isn't the NFL. This isn't the NBA. They lost tons of fans when they had the last work stoppage. It's become, as Rob Manfred has put, uh, regional sport. I mean, if you want to look at <laughs> some of the, the interesting sound bites of Rob Manford's tenure. So, first, Gregs, do you remember he talked about how the trophy is just a piece of metal, right? The World Series trophy, just a piece of metal. And everyone got upset with that. Then he says baseball is just a regional sport. Then, more recently, he says that Major League Baseball owners are losing money and it's not a good investment if you're trying to put a good spin on Major League Baseball, do those quotes do that for you?
0: Yeah, no, he's, uh, I think he's really, really hurt the sport the last couple of years. And you're right, I mean, he gets in these press conferences and it's like he's just a, a wild uh, goose chase. It's like, what are you saying? What are you saying? You're hurting your own sport here. I don't understand it. And like you mentioned earlier, there's billions of dollars here that need to be spread around. It's like, get a deal done. At Major League Baseball, we've talked about before, is, is quickly becoming like the low end of the power sports because they just can't, they can't keep a season together and they're losing viewerships. And, uh, you know, COVID didn't help. I mean, they need to figure this out ASAP.
1: One of the things I talk about all the time is self-awareness. Don't be tone deaf. If you look at Major League Baseball, sure, the timing of this is not on purpose, but look at what's going on in the Ukraine right now. Do people really have the stomach for billionaires and millionaires arguing over money? No, they don't. Major League Baseball couldn't have fans for much of the 2020 season. So you lost some fans there. People, their mind share went somewhere else. Last year, you know, you started getting some fans back, but let's make no mistake. Baseball is not one of the big integral sports anymore. And again, when you have your commissioner saying we're a regional sport, that says as much. So Major League Baseball cannot afford a lengthy work stoppage. If they do, they're headed towards irrelevance, Griggs. And I just think they don't understand where they sit in the grand scheme of things. And they're not the NFL. They're not the NBA. They're not as powerful as those leagues. And fans are going to be much less Forgiving, the other thing is this, and you know, I get this question all the time. Minor league baseball will still have a season. Minor league baseball is more affordable and family-friendly and easier to get in and out of the games. Guess what's going to happen? If major league baseball doesn't have a season or this continues for a, a long period of time, people are going to go to their local minor league ballpark and they're going to gravitate to that. And they're going to say, why do I need Major League Baseball. I'd rather go support my minor league team. And I think this could be the greatest season of minor league baseball ever if there's no Major League Baseball. So all of this could benefit minor league baseball. But the bottom line is this. They've got to figure this out, Major League Baseball, or else they're going to go off the irrelevance cliff.
0: Yeah, I mean look, there's so much in our world today to consume. I mean, there's there's new stuff every day. There's news, there's Twitter, there's, you know, TikTok. There's so much people are soaking in, and when something fades out of the view like MLB's doing, they're not going to come back to it. So I think it's uh, it's losing fans every single day they don't get a deal done.
1: All right, we'll keep our eye on that story obviously. Our next headline, this probably could have been number 1. Obviously, everyone knows what's going on with Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. Well, All Russian teams, club and national, have been banned indefinitely by FIFA and UEFA following the country's invasion of Ukraine. The NHL announced Monday afternoon in a statement that it's suspending its relationship with business partners in Russia and pausing Russian language, social and digital media sites. It also will not consider Russia as a location for any future competitions involving the NHL. We're seeing individual athletes in soccer in tennis in hockey condemn what's going on with Russia and the ukraine and Griggs you know there's a lot of ramifications to this, but when you look at this out of the sports lens, Russia is being cut off by the sports world for their political actions,
0: yeah, and I think it's the right thing to do I think it's uh it's just disgusting what's going on over there, and I I, I applaud all the athletes and the countries and the you know organizations that are standing up against it and you know standing for what they they believe, and that's that's the good world we're in now. That's the good side of it is you can stand up, you can speak your voice, you can go on Twitter, you can do your thing, and uh, and it's acceptable, and people respect that. So I think that is a good side of uh, this disaster in Russia.
1: All right, our next headline: Coach K this Saturday has his final home game at Duke. It's against rival North Carolina. Griggs. Guess how much the average ticket price is for the game at Cameron Indoor Stadium.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Let's see. Um I'll go 7000.
1: Little less than that. 53.92. $5,392 is the average ticket price for Coach K's final home game at Duke. I would have actually thought it was a little higher. I would have guessed in your range, the 7000 maybe even $10,000 range, but uh you know, that's not a big stadium, Cameron Indoor. What a career for Coach K and you're playing North Carolina. So you add all of those things up and it's going to be a special day at uh, Cameron Indoor on Saturday at Duke.
0: Yeah, I uh, I get chills just talking about it because I mean, what a what an iconic coach and a career and uh, just that venue and that crowd that's always showing up and uh, playing North Carolina is going to be awesome. So, you know, there's been some amazing games already, even before March Madness uh, this year. So I'm excited for that game. And Coach K, man, what a legacy.
1: Well, and we saw last weekend, uh, first time in history, the top six teams in the college basketball rankings all lost on the same day. All six teams. I mean, that was pretty amazing um, to see that kind of movement above the top of the rankings. And it just shows you that when the tournament starts, March Madness is truly going to be mad. And a little plug here. Joanne Scott, who runs the NCAA Men's Basketball Championships for the NCAA, she joins me every year, much like Peter O'Reilly of the NFL does. She's going to be with me the week leading into March Madness. So she will take us behind the scenes of this year's March Madness, a primer for March Madness. Anything and everything you want to know about this year's tournament, you'll hear from Joanne Scott of the NCAA uh, in just a couple of weeks right here on Sports Business Radio.
0: Yeah, she's the GOAT of the NCAA and knows all about it. So that's always a fun interview. And uh, yeah, this is you and I both love March Madness. Who doesn't? So this is a fun time here as we record March 1st. So we're ramping up to the big tournament. I'm excited. Yeah, can you believe it's March 1st? Wow. All
1: right. Our last headline, Hall of Fame shortstop Derek Jeter announced Monday he's stepping down as CEO of the Miami Marlins. He's selling his 4% stake in the franchise worth roughly $44.8 million. He said the vision... For the future of the franchise is different than what I signed up for. Jeter retired in 2014 after 20 seasons and five World Series titles with the Yankees. He acquired a stake in the Marlins 2017 uh, when they bought the team with investor Bruce Sherman and others for nearly $1.2 billion. Nearly five years later, the team is valued at $1.12 billion, the lowest in Major League Baseball. So they're actually valued at less money today than when he bought into the group. And, you know, this just says something about Major League Baseball, too. Like, I tweeted out, does Derek Jeter know something that the rest of us don't know? I find it really interesting, the timing of him making this announcement and stepping away on essentially the same day that Rob Manford has earmarked as the deadline for Major League Baseball to have a new collective bargaining agreement. And if not, the season would be in jeopardy. And Derek Jeter's pretty smart guy and i think he saw where this is headed not only with the marlins but with major league baseball and said you know what i don't want to be involved in this and and i'm sure Derek jeter's made plenty of money he can still monetize the you know what out of his name so you know why put up with that garbage if you don't need it anymore and if you're not on the same page for what you signed up for that's happened a lot of times with a lot of people griggs
0: Yeah, I mean, look, Jeter's got money that he could spend better places, and he's obviously seen that. And, you know, honestly, when I saw him sign into this team, Marlins, I just never really felt like it was going to work. It just didn't feel right to me. And the Marlins obviously have showed they they can't make it happen. Bad investment for him. He's lost money since he invested, but good timing to get out for him. But I think I agree with you, too. It's interesting how it happened pretty much the same day that uh, the whole MLB thing is starting to tank. So maybe Jeter's uh, seeing the future. He knows something we don't know yet.
1: The other thing I want to know is Tom Brady was reportedly renting Derek Jeter's house while he was playing for the Tampa Bay Bucks. So is Brady just going to buy Jeter's house now and say, hey, you know, since you're moving out of Miami, you know, we'll buy this house in Tampa. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Someone needs to do like a story on what's going to happen with the real estate between Jeter and and Brady going forward since Brady's retiring and Jeter's now moving out of Miami with the Marlins. Griggs. I've been playing Underdog Fantasy a lot lately. They're the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio, one of the fastest-growing fantasy apps ever released with investors that include Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and Jared Goff. The Underdog Fantasy app is available at underdogfantasy.com. It's on iOS and Android. Once you've downloaded the app, you can draft your team in minutes to win real cash prizes. Underdog's primary draft-based game type is best ball, an innovative form of season-long fantasy that requires no management after the draft. Participants simply draft their 20-player teams, and each week they receive the points at each starting lineup spot for the players who scored the most points. There's no worries about setting your lineup, making trades, or working waiver wires to deal with. I love that. You just draft your team, and that's it. Underdog also offers player pick games, including rivals, which is head-to-head player matchups, and over-unders, as well as your daily, weekly drafts. Battle Royale tournaments are also available, and more. I've been playing a lot of the over-unders recently. I won some money the other night, so that was fun. We've got a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. This is a great offer. It's free money. New users get up to $100 matched on their first deposit when they use the code SBR, like Sports Business Radio. That's SBR. Download the app at UnderdogFantasy.com and then enter the promo code SBR to get up to $100 to play with. Griggs, I know you've been having fun with that too. And, um, you know, it makes the games more interesting to watch. It's fun to do with friends. You can text a buddy or call up a friend and just say, hey, you know, let let's, draft or let's do some over-unders or some rivals for tonight. And uh, it's just so easy to use. That's what I love about it is you can decide two minutes before you know a game starts that you want to jump into this and, and make it a little bit more interesting to watch that night. And it's just an easy app to navigate
0: yeah i went to the uh, blazers warriors game last week and uh, before the game i went through and did some pickums for the game it was really fun because during the game i had my app open i was checking to see okay what's ant gonna do what's curry gonna do and uh yeah it makes the game more interesting and then you can maybe uh win a f- couple bucks here and there so uh, i enjoyed a lot
1: all right coming up next hillary
0: knight the women's hockey goat u.s women's hockey
1: gold medalist seven-time world champion She's going to be an analyst for ESPN for their NHL coverage. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. My guest is Hillary Knight, U.S. women's hockey gold medalist, three-time Olympic silver medalist, seven-time world champion, arguably the best women's hockey player in the world. You can follow her on social media at Knight. Hillary has joined me before here on this show, and we're happy to have her back. Hillary, how are you?
2: Great. Thanks.
1: All right. So you've been to Beijing. The Olympics have happened. I need some reflection from you on what your experience was like. Let's start with uh, the on the ice. You guys won silver. You lost to Team Canada, but you played really well. Um, Give me your perspective and your thoughts as you look back on these Olympics.
2: Yeah, honestly, I'm extremely and incredibly proud of the group, our team that we had there. Um, It it was not easy to to make it to the Olympics. Obviously, there's there's different, you know, there's a global health pandemic going on. Um, You know, part of our tours canceled. We've got random things happening, uh, trying to train together and not being able to, and things like that, and injuries and and whatnot, and the whole gamut of things. Right when you get into the nitty gritty of team sports, but to be able to get ourselves to Beijing and to stay safe and and be able to compete as a group uh, was, I think, an incredible feat in itself. Obviously, our expectation is always to win gold. And so when you come up short, it doesn't feel good and feels like you let a lot of people down. But the big takeaway is to, you know, it's such an honor to be able to represent your country on a world stage and to to win any color medal, I mean, it's a huge honor to be able to be called an Olympian. Um, but to to bring home a medal of any kind is is pretty incredible. But, um, you know, definitely a unique tournament from a from a COVID perspective, and then also losing you know one of our top centers in the first you know few minutes of 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 group play. Um, so it's it was a sort of a heartbreaking, I think, way to to navigate a tournament. However big takeaway is i'm incredibly proud of our group and how resilient we were and how we fought and we tried to battle out of a a pretty big deficit in the first period.
1: Yeah, you absolutely should be proud of of your team and and how you all performed. What was the off the ice experience like? I know last time i had you on, you know, you've been to what four olympics now and you know, it's been a different experience at each one of them. With the off the ice, you know, sometimes you're out able to be social and eat lots of candy in Vancouver, like you said. Other yep. <laughs> times, you know, you're staying closer to your your uh, village and your room. What was this like?
2: Uh, this was so weird, to be honest, because you know you're obviously you're in masks because you're trying to be safe, and and um, it's it's just different. You don't get to see faces. Um, you know, I think the first week that we were there, we were, you know, high anxiety, thinking, okay, you know, there could still be COVID in the village. And until we get to that zero mark, um, you're really stressed. And so I think that's what was different about this one is kind of having that looming uh stressor of, you know, do it, my my throat's a little scratchy. Do I have COVID? And and trying to work through that. Um, and then also sort of being in our own silos of not necessarily being able to hang out traditionally as we have done in the past. Um, but at the same time, I think we made the best of what we had and we were able to go enjoy the Olympics and cheer on other fellow team USA athletes at their events. And that's kind of what it's all about too, is obviously you're there to compete, but if you can compete and then also kind of just enjoy the experience, I think it's a huge win, um, given the opportunity of of being in one of the best places uh, in the world to watch the best.
1: It looks like you went to the opening ceremonies. What was that like?
2: Uh, it was incredible. Um, you know, opening ceremonies is sort of that rush of yeah, we're here. Uh what was different was um, you know, the games had kind of already started for us in a way. But um yeah, opening ceremonies is incredible. You're in your your polo garb and you're you're going out there and you're all geared up with Team USA and Um, people are always like, Oh, you know, what do you do? And it's like, you, you literally just follow the flag around (laughs) walking around in a circle, but it it just, it means so much. That's sort of that aha moment when you're like, okay, like I've made it to the Olympics and, um, you know, I've walked maybe in in three ceremonies now, and it still feels like I'm a little kid. Uh, that's kind of the feeling. It's that, that magical moment of, Oh my gosh, this, you know, this is what I dreamed of. And, And here we are, you know, um, and I think, you know, a handful of us were trying to stay in the back and lock arms just to take it in because we know how special and how fleeting these moments are.
1: Did you have a chance, you mentioned, you went to some other competitions, cheered on some of your your USA teammates. What did you go to?
2: Uh, we went to um, speed skating, we went to figure skating. Um, you know, some of our teammates went to curling, we went to men's hockey. Um, pretty much anything that aligned with our schedule where we had an off day or it made sense from a rest or recovery standpoint, we went to.
1: Yeah, um, you, so, I was going to say, you explained before, like, give us a lay of the land. You've got the Olympic village where you're staying. And then, you know, there's the mountain sports. There's the non-mountain sports that are in other yep. venues. Like, how does that work as far as like the radius of where you're traveling to go see other things and where the Olympic village is compared to where you're playing your games and kind of give us yeah. a lay of the land.
2: Yeah, so most people aren't necessarily familiar because it, obviously it's on TV and we do, they do a really good job of production. Right. But, um, sometimes the villages, so there's the, the coastal village and the mountain village traditionally um, and maybe some others sort of scattered in the middle. But um, the mountain village this time through is a, a little bit too far away. Uh, so to have a day off and go up there and watch stuff didn't necessarily make sense just because it would take a lot of time to get up there. So um, we sort of stuck to the sports that were... Um, in our village area. And so I think figure skating was like a 25 minute bus ride, 30 minute bus ride. So that made sense for us to be able to go. I think speed skating was like a 15 to 20. Um, Our rank was anywhere from 45 to 60 minutes, depending on our bus driver. Um, (laughs) But yeah, some days was a really long ride home after practice, but no, that's okay. Um, So it really just depends kind of one, scheduling in, in our programming, and then two, sort of the commitment level to being able to go and travel to these different events. And then obviously when we can't travel, um, we have a TV in our suites and uh, we're plugged into the the local non-narrated or announced Olympic coverage. And so a lot of times we're trying to figure out what's going on in, in these different sports and Googling a lot of different terms and stuff to try and you know, think that we know what's going on. But <laughs> Um, you know, I remember fondly, I have a video on my phone, uh, that, you know, one of my roommates took of, of us cheering on, um, Erin, uh, we call her Speedy J obviously cause that's her, her Insta handle when, when she won the 500. Um, and that's like one of the fondest moments of all of us jumping up and down on the couch. We obviously couldn't be there in person because we played the next day, but, um, there's just this little kid sort of fandom of, of being able to be at the Olympics, but then also, uh, appreciate all the, the the level uh and the caliber of athletes that are around you and and really really wanting to be able to to let that sink in
1: were there any other athletes on any other team in the world where you were like i really want to watch that person or i really want to meet that person
2: um not really to be honest (laughs) i think you just you walk around the village and that's what's so different about masks right is um people can kind of hide a little bit but Traditionally, when you walk around a village, um, you just know that whoever you're brushing shoulders against or walking by with your your little cafeteria tray, like, you know, they're the best at what they do. And I think that's just incredibly cool and powerful to be in the same room, even if you don't know them, if you're never going to meet them, um, to be seated in in the same vicinity or in the same room as someone who is excellent at their sport um, is, is, um, you know, one of those, those moments where you have to kind of take it and be like, okay, like, you know, I've made it, <laughs> but, um, it's really cool experience for sure.
1: Did you go into this Hillary saying, all right, this is my fourth Olympics. That's a lot. I mean, that's an amazing accomplishment. Did you go into it saying, I'm really going to soak this all in. Cause this might be my last one. Or do you think there might be more? So you weren't really as reflective as, as you could have been, if you thought this was the last one.
2: Yeah, I think um, I understand how hard it is to get back to the Olympics. And you never know. And even after my first one, I didn't know. I know I want to be back, right? And I still want to be back after this one. But, um, you know, life happens, things change, you know, who knows what, what's in store for the future. But um, I definitely take some time to say, you know, this is this is pretty cool. And it's funny because it's like, yeah, this is your fourth and it, it never feels like that. It still always feels like the first. And granted, I do have experience that you know I can share with some of our younger players and, and happy to do that. But um, you know, the Olympics are just so special that you have to take it with that like child's mind uh, approach to really be able to absorb it all and, and navigate the tournament without the moment getting too big.
1: All right. So here's my big question. When you were on with me last time you told me how you have the VIP Chipotle card and you eat Chipotle every day. Like how did you survive? I'm assuming Chipotle didn't fly food into you in Beijing. So how do you survive without your Chipotle every day?
2: It's difficult. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I'm not kidding. Like I, when I'm near Chipotle, I go like every day. And, um, and so like I have my little code memorized and everything. So it, It's tough when you kind of get out of that routine, but obviously going to a foreign country, I'm like, okay, I know I'm not going to have access to that, but um, I got Chipotle um, right before I left and I got it uh, not the first night back, but the the second day back uh, when I was able to sit down and eat like a huge, huge meal, which I was
1: really excited about. So I've been to China and I don't want to like offend anyone here, but let's just say The food is not the same type of food that we have in the United States. And some of the food that I ate in China wasn't the greatest. So, what do they do for you food wise when you're there? You know, you mentioned you're walking around with your cafeteria tray. Are they bringing food in from other places in the world? Is it from China? Like, how do they feed you there?
2: Yeah, I think that's just difficult. And I won't necessarily just pin this on the China experience, but I don't think I've ever been to Olympics where the food is really good, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, it's like Mass it's hall food.
2: Seeing, yeah. You expect something and then you get there, and you're like, oh, like that wasn't in the booklet, you know? So um, it's sort of a trial and error thing. I, I do say that once I discovered this like hot pot kind of thing where they had ramen and different things you could add in, like I, I definitely enjoyed that. But um, yeah, we have an incredible support staff. And so if they, they make meals for us essentially. And especially on game days, um, you know, our team's huge fan of pancakes. And so they're cooking pancakes (laughs) for us, uh, before games. And even if it's a 9 p.m. Start, you know, we're, we're still having that meal like four hours out and they're, you know, opening up a griddle and and doing all that. So we're really, really fortunate to be able to have, um, the support staff that we have that commit to making us, you know, feel as best we can on the ice. But, um, yeah, I, I, I would definitely say I struggled with the meals for sure. <laughs> so Yeah,
1: I did too when I was there and and I'm not a world-class athlete. So I'm like, how are you getting your energy? But um, I'm glad that you found something on the menu that, that you could enjoy. And I'm sure you were very happy to get back to Chipotle when you got back to the US. Yeah,
2: yes. And I was like testing myself. I'm like, do I remember my code? Okay, yes, I do. Like, let's <laughs> go. Because <laughs> the other thing too is like, in the Olympics, you don't have your wallet on you. You just go right, and you don't think about paying for meals or you know all the other services that are provided in the village. And so, when I first got back, sort of to citizen, quote unquote, life, I was like, okay. And I went to go do things, and I didn't have my wallet on me. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, remember, like you're back in life now. You have to start paying for things and and whatnot. So that was my quick moment of like, Oh my gosh, how am I getting to play? Okay. I remember my code. Let's go.
1: <laughs> so besides but, eating and living, like what else is going on in the village?
2: Oh, like I got, I got my haircut there. Um, it was way too long. And then it kind of got cut a little short, but that was fine. Cause I, I appreciated that. Um, you can get, uh, you know, usually there's dentist, um, you can get your nails done. There's different games and VR experiences. Um, let's see dry cleaning uh different pop-up shops that you can kind of experience as well um there's all sorts of stuff to do you know once you get out of your own um building but um yeah it's it's all free which is kind of the, the cool thing
1: that's very cool and you know are like you said people are wearing masks so you're not really it's probably harder to talk to other people than it's been for any of the previous olympics you've attended
2: yeah. It's hard to talk to other people, but then also too, you want to be, you're really cognizant of other people's space and that comfort level. Um, because you, you never know, with, you know, COVID, right. You could be walking around with a cold and it's actually COVID. So um, you also don't want to put yourself in a position where you would be in danger of not being able to compete. Um, and I think that's what was kind of scary is, you know, these, these cars would just come and take you away and, and Uh, you'd have to be in isolation and and figure that out. And then in addition to that, um, oh, by the way, you're not going to be able to compete for the Olympics you've been training the last quad for. So um, that's definitely something that's top of mind. And, and I would say kind of impacted the experiences that we would have with, with other countries and other athletes and and specifically our athletes as well. Cause you know, you don't want this thing to run wild through the entire team USA Olympic roster either.
1: Yeah. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your social media following tripled during the Winter Games. Does that sound about right? Oh, probably for TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: TikTok is crazy. Um, you know, I, I sort of just got on the platform, didn't really know what to think about it, scrolled for probably a year and then decided, okay, yeah, I, I think I can participate without doing the dances. Uh, so I like the lip thinking stuff and it's fun when you're around teammates to to be able to just you know attempt some of the dances and do fun things together and um you know i guess try and pass time or kill time because you're just sitting there and you're not really able to do anything else
1: are we gonna see a tiktok dance in the future
2: yeah uh we tried some and they're so there's so it's such great content because it's so cringe right like I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, I'm a great dancer. Like, I'm posting that because I am laughing. It's so bad that I hope people enjoy it. So you're welcome, whoever gets to click on
1: that. <laughs> All right. I'm going to immediately follow you after this uh, conversation yeah. on, on TikTok. I need to see what's going on there. But, you know, it looks like Instagram and Twitter, you got bumps too. Um, you know, that's yeah. part of the spotlight that's on you during the Olympics. So, okay, Red Bull, Nike, Bauer, Chipotle. Visa, these are all companies that you work with. Give us a little bit of insight. You're going into this, you know, big Olympics where you're in the spotlight. How are you working with your sponsors to take advantage of, of the spotlight?
2: Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is storytelling. Uh, right. And 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 through that, we can provide more visibility at the sport. And that's something that really aligns with me to the core, is I love hockey and I want to be able to share it and to be introduced to different platforms and, and people who follow, you know, these different brands or, or smart sponsors or partners, um, you know, kind of leverages that ability to do it. And, um, you know, and there's also other like shared services that you can kind of tap into and, you know, whether that's Red Bull and, and all the athletic services that they provide, you know, is, is tremendous. And, you know, Visa's, got different, uh, things as well. And, and each company is different in, in the way they approach things, but it's wonderful to have people in your corner because you cannot go, uh, the journey alone. And, and to have that support is extremely incredible.
1: Do you ever want to have a say in like a campaign as far do they come to you and say, all right, this is what we've got planned for this campaign or this commercial spot. Do they get your input on it? Or is it just like, Hey, Hillary, this is how it's going to be.
2: Um, I think it goes both ways and and to be honest it really depends on time and how much time we have to kind of work through a concept together um, you know I think that's when you have a little bit more lead up time you can kind of sift through different things and, and how you want to approach it um, and you know I think what was interesting about this games is the summer games were kind of merged into to our kind of map for programming mm-hmm. um, and to figure out how to to create different, uh, storylines quickly or not storylines, but different content pieces quickly was challenging, especially given, um, you know, the COVID parameters and, and trying to stay safe the entire year. But I think we did a, did a good job. I think the, the Visa spot was really fun to, to be on set for. Um, it was, uh, definitely freezing cold, um, uh, but really cool how it, how it all turned out, um, which is awesome. Cause you know, that's, it's one thing to be able to play hockey, but then to, to also be provide other experiences to travel and get to meet other people and, and do fun things like that. I mean, that's just, it's,
1: it's a dream job for our audience who might've missed it. Uh, give us a little behind the scenes of the visa set and, and that commercial.
2: Yeah, we were in a, um, man, I'm so bad with names, but a old, uh, ski resort, very quaint, uh, sort of broken down as well. But, um, you know, there's, there's people skiing down the Hill and, and, where the tables are rumbling inside and it's like oh my gosh you know what is that and it's sort of you, you want to be on board with with this all these skiers and, and what's going on and and whatnot uh and sort of join this rush of the olympic experience so it was really cool to film um it's crazy because people have no idea you know that one second that you see in, in a spot takes hours like yeah. hours to capture which is crazy but um i'm really excited with how it turned out and the vision that they had for it was
1: uh, pretty cool yeah i I mean look red bull nike bauer chipotle visa like those are some real big names those are great sponsors and companies to be aligned with so it just speaks volumes about you know your play on the ice and, and who you are as a person
2: yeah no i i appreciate that i think um you know i'm very fortunate and grateful to have um you know partners and sponsors, um, to and the weight of partners and sponsors that I have, because it's really hard to sustain this level of, of uh, performance. And, you know, they definitely help me unlock that next level and, and sustain it. So, um, yeah, so, you know, maybe I will go for five just because I'm able to, right. <laughs> uh, cause I have that support of them in our, in, in my corner and, um, obviously, you know, having Disa last time through and, and their, their ability to, to help families out, get over there, to have my family be able to watch me. The entire 2018 experience was so special. And, you know, I'm hoping that the world changes a little bit more and we can approach, you know, the next big event uh, safely so families and friends can join again and, and experience the Olympics with us.
1: And Hiller, it wasn't always that way. Like, I've read stories that you were cold calling companies early in your career yeah. to try and find <laughs> sponsors and now look at you.
2: Oh, I was. <laughs> and it's funny because I think about that now, being like, oh my gosh, like I hope um you know, I hope people don't remember that, you know. <laughs> but I am just like, I was so hungry and not that I'm not hungry, but um, you know, I just really wanted to build a brand that was attractive to to having, you know, partners, um, you know, such as the ones that I have to to be able to give them something, but then to be able to take something from them and, and really put a spotlight um, on the sport that I love, because that's something that I think is just innately part of my core is I know what this sport has given me and what it's provided me. And I would love to share that with anybody who's willing to sign up or become a fan. Um, So I think that's where the visibility and the storytelling component becomes more important um, in some ways than the actual um, dollar amount.
1: One of the things I love about you is you're so much more than just a world-class hockey player and athlete. You recently earned your MBA from Boise state. When you last joined me on sports business radio, you told me that one of your long-term goals is to put together a women's investment group to own an NHL team and maybe a women's pro hockey team. Are these still goals of yours? What are you doing to work towards those?
2: Absolutely. (laughs) They are goals. Um, honestly, uh, we're, we're putting in the work, right? I think um, I'm really excited with the landscape of women's hockey at the professional level. I'm really, really encouraged by our most recent uh, viewership numbers that came out of the gold medal game. Um, there's so many great things that are that are in the pipeline and projects that I'm so excited to share when the when the time is right. Um, but I'm, I'm really encouraged by all the movement that we've done from the PWHPA standpoint and what. Our players have done um, just being ambassadors of the game and, and trying to grow it and provide more visibility. Um, and then, you know, further down the line, you know, I think uh, being in that uh, ownership role would would be something of, of great interest to me. And establishing sort of an all uh, women owned uh, group would be a dream come true, I think, to just say the least.
1: A landmark agreement this last week. Six years in the making, the U.S. women's national soccer team had been fighting U.S. soccer for equal pay and for other benefits. And they settled, and $22 million are going to be paid out to 61 women who are part of the discrimination claim. How does that affect not only U.S. soccer, but women's sports and, and really women who are professional in general?
2: Yeah, I am so proud of those women i I mean, when that news came out it it was just sort of like a sigh of relief and sort of that you know sort of resonation that chest banging like yes, like we're we're really making moves um and you feel very much so a part of that obviously, I don't play soccer, um but those those women inspire us tremendously, and when they move the needle um it moves the needle for other sports as well and also in other industry, and I think that's something that just. Is innately a part of being a, a woman in sport is just, um, you know, you have to fulfill these other roles because it's, it's a need and to understand that you're a part of something bigger than yourself and you can have a positive impact and spark um, inspiration in, in other um, verticals is, is significant. And for them to be able to continue to push and push and push and, and raise the tide for all of us, other sports and, and individuals as well is um, extremely incredible. And we are grateful uh to have such strong women uh leading the way and being trailblazers and something that we can feed off of as well um with with hockey.
1: Yeah, I-, I thought it was a great day. Again, I have a daughter, so anything in that realm is is wonderful. The other thing I saw this week that was interesting is the NCAA women's basketball tournament, which is upcoming, they're already sold out of all of their advertising. So for the people who say, oh, we can't find sponsors for women's sports or The ratings aren't good enough. Here's yet another example, like you just mentioned, with the Team USA Canada Women's Hockey Final, where it's moving the needle in a very positive direction.
2: Absolutely. Um, And I think it just goes to show, um, I look at Sedona speaking out, uh, last games, right? Or last last, uh, tournament. I mean, people would not have known the discrepancies. I think, you know, other players have spoken about it. you know, previously, but because of social media, because of where we are in the world and how behaviors are changing and how we approach women's sports, um, her platform was so significant in, in driving that change. Um, and immediately, you know, it was tried. They tried to rectify it. Right. But um, it's wonderful to see that buy in that level of interest and to see, um, you know, what the WNBA has done in, 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 in their space and, and how that's impacting the NCAA as well. Um. So we all are kind of intertwined in, in this this weird space together in the sports world that we can really feed off of one another and 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 inspire each other, but then also help um, drive forward.
1: I think it's great. We've got just a few minutes left before I need to let you go. Since the last time we spoke, it's funny. Last time you were on, I said, "Look, you need to be on TV. You need to be a hockey analyst." Yeah. Well, now you're on ESPN. <laughs> Tell us about that.
2: Uh, I. I need to catch up on the season. <laughs> like, I've been a little busy with the Olympics. No, I think um, I'm extremely excited to to finally be on air and to be a part of the ESPN family. Um, I was excited when it was first announced and I was first able to join. But to now uh, physically be involved um, is, is going to be so much fun. And, um, you know, I obviously have a lot of room to grow and i think that's what's exciting for me is to learn these different skill sets and to be able to to share the way that i see the game with with millions of viewers and that's something that i'm really looking forward to
1: what's next beyond espn beyond you know continuing to be an advocate for women and women's sports what else does the future hold are you going to be you know continuing to train i know you've played pro hockey give our audience a, a little bit of a sense of what's next
2: yeah well right now I'm still hungry um you know I'm hungry for for a gold medal at the Olympic Games um I'm hungry to push the sport forward I'm really hungry to continue to be a competitor and to continue to be involved with you know our team with uh, on the U.S. front but then also with the PWHPA so I'm I'm excited with where hockey is going in general and I as long as I can play and, and provide some sort of impact, I'm definitely going to continue. Cause I just, I love the game so much and I, I love the woman in the room uh, regardless of what room that is. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, as of now I'm, I'm continuing to go on and, um, and train. I'll probably take, take a, a beat here and, and take some time off and, um, obviously, you know, jump in with ESPN and, and cover sort of the NHL season. But, um, yeah, I think I'll be back to training in a few weeks and that'll be exciting for me too.
1: All right. Last question. I would guess one of the, uh, most excited beans to see you when you returned from Beijing was your dog Bane. Am I correct?
2: yeah i haven't been home yet so i get to see him uh later tonight so i'm really excited uh bane and then baloo is my puppy and he'll kind of wiggle his way in between because <laughs> you know he loves attention but i i'm excited to wake up tomorrow um to to go hit up my local coffee shop at home in sun valley and then just go on a trail you know with with uh bane so it's uh it's gonna be good to take a deep breath to go home recharge a little bit look at the mountains, um, just appreciate being home and being around my family. Um, and then obviously it's pack the bags and go wherever I needed to go next.
1: Well, you have certainly earned it. You have done a great job. It's great to have you back on sports business radio and continued success to you with ESPN and all of the other endeavors that you have.
2: Thank you so much, Brian.
1: Hillary Knight. Seven-time world champion, U.S. women's hockey gold medalist, three-time Olympic silver medalist. Follow her on social media at Hillary Knight. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This edition of Sports Business Radio is presented by Roan. They are the new official menswear partner of Sports Business Radio. I absolutely love their product. I've been a fan of their company for many years now. Roan makes the absolute highest quality, best-fitting, and most comfortable performance-driven clothing for men. Their entire line places emphasis on an active, balanced, and purpose-driven lifestyle. I've been wearing their Mako short and Rain Tech long sleeve for all of my gym sessions. When I'm in person with people, I've been wearing the commuter pant and the commuter shirt. They're both very comfortable. Uh, Roan's flex-knit fabric revamps a timeless silhouette, and Creates a pant that moves with my lifestyle. Same thing with their shirt. And then when I'm working from home, like right now I'm recording in my spar jogger pants, I wear my guru pants and my rain tech hoodie. They become some of my favorite items to wear when I'm working from home. And also when I'm out and about, it's been cold here in Oregon. So I've got my Tundra quilted hooded jacket. It's my favorite jacket now. It keeps me warm, but it's not big and bulky. Roan, is offering sports business radio podcast listeners 15% off your next purchase. Go to Rone.com and enter promo code SBR15 at checkout to receive 15% off your purchase. That's roan.com R-H-O-N-E.com and enter code SBR15 at checkout. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio.